0: Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Hey, take your Bibles this morning. Turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 12 and 13 i am be working through both of those today. I'm doing an expository uh, a series, so if you're kind of new, we're working our way through the Gospel of John. So if you'll allow me, those of you that have been here from the beginning, just give me like two or three minutes. I want to back up in case people have come in a little bit later. So an expository message or series is when you just take a book and you just start preaching through it. And I try to do that at least once a year Take a book and work your way through it, and we're doing the Gospel of John. So just a few things, just as a reminder, some of you have heard this, things to know about, the go- about John and the Gospel of John. So John, the Gospel of John was written around AD uh, 95. It was the last Gospel written. So Mark was written first, Matthew, Luke, John the Gospel of John was the very last one that is written. The author is John the Disciple. Okay, there's lots of Johns in the Bible. So this is John the Disciple, as you'll see that today. Uh, let's see. The Gospel of John has more unique stories than any other gospel. John, that's why you need to read all the gospels. They all have a different kind of perspective. So like the wedding at Cana, the woman at the well, the Gethsemane prayer, Lazarus, uh, the uh, uh, those kind of stories—they are unique to the Gospel of John, so uh, that, that's important as well. And then John has more theological teachings and explanations than the other Gospels. So, some, most of the other Gospels tell a story, and they might give a summary. John really goes into some of the exposition on the teaching that you'll see uh, that you'll see next week. So, just you know, if you're just kind of new to the series, a little little background information on that. So today we're going to look at two things that took place during Jesus' last week. Now, John, John, the, the last week of Jesus' life starts at John chapter 12. So almost 40% of the gospel of John has to do with the very last week in the life of Jesus. Others, other books, they just come in a few chapters. John takes a significant time to work through the last part of Jesus' life. So today we're going to look at two Two events that happened in Jesus' life during his last week. We're going to look at his entry into Jerusalem, and we're going to look at the Passover meal. John has a little bit different look in view of the Passover meal. So let's look at Jesus' final week, entering in Jerusalem, and it's Sunday, okay? It's Sunday of the very last week. He he is crucified on Friday, so this is Sunday. So we're going to read it. John 12, verse 12. So the next day, the next day, this is the day after. Remember a couple, couple weeks ago, Mary and, they were at Mary and Martha's house. Remember the woman that came and poured the oil on Jesus' feet? So this is the day after that. That's what this reference is. The next day, the great crowd had come for the festival and heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it was written, don't be afraid, daughter of Zion, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all of this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize all the things that had been written about him and these things that had been done to him. Now, the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. So the context is we are at Passover. There are hundreds of thousands of people coming into Jerusalem for this, this, great, you know, this great and sacred ceremony. Hotels are full if they use that Temporary housing, people are looking for food. It is wonderfully chaotic, you know, because it's Passover. Just a reminder to some of you the Passover. Is the eight day festival which was celebrated in early spring? It was a reminder to everyone of the release of the Israelites from the slavery of Egypt. It was observed by eating special meals, retelling the Passover story of Exodus and sacrifice and the sacrifice of the Passover lamb. So They are all there. It is very crowded. John's version has something that we really don't really see in the other versions because the other versions don't talk about Lazarus. It talks about this crowd. A lot of this crowd were coming because of the curiosity. They heard about the miracle of Lazarus. So many of them were coming or they were really looking for Jesus because of this particular miracle that he had done. So he's coming from Bethany two miles away, and he's coming in to Jerusalem. It's Palm Sunday. This is his entrance into Jerusalem. Now, a few things about the crowd that was there that I want you to see this morning. They came prepared and with expectation. They came prepared and with expectation. We'll talk about Jesus in just a moment. So they came... With palm branches, okay? They came with palm branches. Matthew said that they had just cut them down. So they're bringing palm branches with them ready for this worship experience Matthew says that they took their cloaks their outer garments and they brought them with them because uh, to this particular worship experience they were prepared and coming with expectation all the gospels that talk about the triumphal entry talk about shouting and the the, the crowd was very loud and that they were they were joyous. So they came prepared and with great expectation they uh, they're ready to witness this experience but what happens is the parade turns into a worship service when he arrives this place erupts with worship when they see Jesus coming in to Jerusalem. Can I just remind you this morning the importance of being prepared and having some faith and expectation when you come to the house of the Lord or your, or your prayer closet, bring something and be ready to worship. Like on, on Saturday night, take a few minutes. Think about the service the next day and get yourself ready for church. Don't just drag yourself in here all beat up, worked up, mad, angry. Take take 15 minutes and go, you know what? Tomorrow's church. I'm going to take five minutes and I'm going to sing my favorite worship song. I'm going to take five minutes and I'm going to read some passages of Scripture that feed my soul. I'm going to take five minutes and I'm going to pray for myself and I'm going to pray for that service tomorrow. I'm not just going to show up on Sunday morning, but I'm going to come prepared to worship my King. I'm going to come with a little faith and a little expectation or maybe it's you maybe you're a sunday morning person you get up just a little bit earlier and you invest 15 minutes with just a song and in scripture and, and 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 just praying for the service you never know what can happen when god's people come to god's house and they've got just a little bit of faith just a little bit of anticipation they've invested a few moments of prayer you never know what can happen on Sunday morning. <clears throat> John says later in another book that he was on the spir- in the spirit on the Lord's day and he got this great revelation. I think that's a good goal for us to be in the spirit on the Lord's day. All right. Now, some of you, it's been a long time since you've been in the Spirit on the Lord's day. You've been mad on the Lord's day. You've yelled at your spouse on the Lord's day. You've violated traffic laws trying to get in church, to church on time on the Lord's day. Hey, I think it all do us good when we get here. We're in the Spirit. We're of one mind, one accord. We come prepared. We're ready. We're ready for worship. We're ready to see God's, hear God's Word. We're ready to come to church. They came that morning, they had palm branches in anticipation of worship they brought their outer coats and when Jesus came in they started putting those branches on the ground they started to wave them because they're ready man they took those coats and they put them on the ground because they were ready but then they began to magnify and begin to praise God because it was something that was already in their heart and man it just happened there was no parade director that said at this moment let's lift our voice but when they saw the king of glory They could not help it. They begin to raise their voice and magnify God. Let's do that again, church. Let's do that. We've got something to praise Him about. We've got something to praise Him about. The goodness of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. He covers us with His favor and blessing. Man, we've been saved. We've been forgiven. We've been given a new life. He's transformed us. We have eternity in heaven with Jesus. Folks, we've got something to praise Him for. Can we take a moment this morning and praise Him? Can we praise Him this morning? We magnify You, Lord. We glorify You this morning. We glorify You this morning. Well, they're all gathered there. And here He comes. He turns the corner and it's kind of anticlimactic because here's Jesus on a donkey, okay? (laughs) Like, what? What? I mean, they're expecting this great entrance. They're expecting this great entrance, you know, like the general on a white stallion coming in. Here's Jesus coming in on a donkey and it's a young donkey. He's wobbly. It's a donkey, number one. It's kind of like, you know, like when, when the president comes to town, he's got the presidential limo. I got a little picture of that. There you go. It's called the beast. No flat tires. Man, you can't shoot a bullet through that. Man, the tires they want, you know, you can't blow out a tire. Man, it's got an unbelievable engine. It's the presidential limo. Man, when you hear the president's coming, man, when you see something like that, that's, that's, a, that's a ride that, you know, matches the office. What about if the president came and he, he rode this? Yeah, 1977 S10 Silverado. It don't look pretty, but it'll get you where you want to go, and it'll haul what you want to haul. All right, that would be kind of anticlimactic if the president showed, you know, in that, and that's kind of what this is. Here comes the king, here comes the king of glory, and he's, he's on a wobbling donkey, okay? But there's a message in the donkey. There's a message, all right? There's a message. The donkey represented humility and service, even, even what he rode. He's showing us of of His humility and and His love for mankind that He's not up here. You know, He's with, you know, He's with us. So even even in that message, even in what He wrote, there's a message that Jesus wanted to say to us. So that's Sunday. That's Sunday. Let's jump to Thursday. We're on Jesus' final week, following John. This is the Passover meal on Thursday. The final verse of John 12 says, Now my soul is troubled. Uh, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. So we start to see Jesus. It's Thursday night. You know, his heart is troubled. Okay. Okay. You know, uh, the, the brokenness in the realization that what he was sent to do is about to happen. It is imminent. You ever, you know, just kind of been sick at your stomach over something? That's kind of where he's headed. All right. And then we go to John 13. It was just hours. I mean, it was just before the Passover festival. Uh, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father having loved uh, having loved his own who were in the world and he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas the son of Simon Iscariot to uh, uh, the son of uh, Judas Iscariot to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the The Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Okay, so... So let, let's go back in that in that moment. So washing your feet when you entered someone's home was not uncommon. Okay, that's just what what you did. Okay, um, people wore sandals. So if I just said um, when you go on vacation, you wear sandals all day for one day. What are your feet like at the end of the day? Okay, yeah. Okay, we all got it. No, I don't have to go there. They, they had no asphalt, sidewalks, manicured lawn. It was all dusty. It was all sweaty. It was hard leather. So that, that's why they did that when you came in, in someone's home, okay? So you had a bowl and a towel, and it was just not uncommon because you can imagine what people's you know, feet were like, all right? Also, another reason is when they ate, the table was low on the ground and there would be like pillows and you would recline so your feet were right at the food, okay? Listen, if I walked into that, I would be DoorDash all the way, okay? Like, I don't care if your feet are clean. If they're that close to the food, I'm out of there. Which is another reason that they made sure that feet were clean just because it was, you know, really, you know, really, really close to the close to the food. So he gets up and, and he begins to, you know, do, do this. And I want to tell you why I think, you know, like it's at this moment that he does this. Because if you remember two days before, as he's coming to Jerusalem, the disciples are arguing about who's going to be the greatest. Remember who? I want to sit on this hand. I want to sit on this hand. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom and I think Jesus could probably foresee that after he's gone man this these disciples it's going to you know dissolve into just some kind of power struggle on who's the best who's the leader so he finds this moment to make sure that he deals with this so he assumes the role of a servant so normally If when you came to someone's home back then, you offered them, you know, the water and the towel, normally they would wash their own feet. Or if you were a little wealthier, you had the servant that would wash everyone's feet. Okay, that was kind of the standard. Never would the host of the meal, you know, wash somebody's feet. So here he is, he's the host And he is the one that begins to wash everyone's feet. Verse 6, he comes to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, you're going to wash my feet. Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, Peter said, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part of me, all right? Peter says, in essence, hey, I'm too embarrassed to let you do this. I'll, I'll do this myself. No, you're not, you know, you're not washing my feet. I'm too dirty, and you're too good, and this would make me feel awkward about, you know, my, my condition here, okay? It's kind of like, you know, the modern day equivalent to this is, you know, hey, God, I got myself into this and I'll get myself out of this. We want to try to work out things on our own, do things ourself, clean our own self up, repair our own life, all right? That's why grace It's hard to receive when you want to try to repair everything yourself. But I want to remind you this morning that spiritual problems require spiritual answers. And you are not qualified to to provide those answers. You cannot help yourself yourself with spiritual answers when it comes to forgiveness and grace and restoring, restoration, and healing. You are powerless in those areas. That's the thinking of today. I'll I'll handle my own self. I'll I'll clean my own self, okay? But I just want to tell you, you'll come to the point after you've put enough duct tape over your life and tried to keep moving on where you realize there are some things that you can do and there's some things that only God can do and there's a certain time of your life that you need to take your hand off and let Jesus be the healer of your heart and the restorer of your life. Peter's like, no, 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 no. No. Man, this is this is embarrassing. I got my this is terrible. This is terrible. And you're too good, so I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to do it. And he said, "Unless I wash you, you'll have no part of me." Okay? He says to Peter, "Unless you let me do this, man, you can't go any further in the Lord." Okay? This this is it. You know? So somewhere you got to allow the Lord in the uncomfortable parts of your heart. Sometimes you got to open yourself and there's got to be some transparency and some things that you wish, you know, that he and others didn't see. Jesus said, this is, this is what I do. And if you don't let me do it, you can't have any part of me. And then the light bulb goes on Peter and he says, wash my feet. And then just pour the water on me. Okay? He got it. He got it. That's what I want to say to you this morning. Just let God... Do his bath of grace. Let him cleanse you. There is no person that is perfect. He's taken all shame on the cross. Let him do his work of grace. He's the only one that can do it. You can duct tape it. You can ignore it. You can try to isolate yourselves from people. But there is a work of grace that Jesus wants to do. Sit there. Humble yourself. And let him do that work of grace all right when he had finished washing their feet he put on his clothes and returned to his place do you understand what i have done for you he asked them trying to man get this message of power out out of their heart you call me teacher and rightly so for that is what i am now that now, now that i your lord and teacher have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Verily I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor the messenger greater than the one who sent. So here's a powerful, personal demonstration of service and humility of Jesus Hours before his crucifixion. Hours before his crucifixion, this is the message he wants to remind them of. Because I want to tell you, and the message of service, okay? Because I want to tell you, in in 2021, man, the idea of service is, you know, it's just, it's a real, it's a real challenge. Serving in today's, serving in today's world. Because there's different thinking when it comes to service the world today has a consumer mentality and it's come into the church okay so people come into a church looking at what can i get how can i be blessed what can i take from this church instead of the heart of service and humility that goes where can i serve and who can i help the consumer mentality of what what how am i blessed what can i take what can i get has impacted the message that Jesus said, hey, this is my example. It's a consumer mentality. Or I pay, you know, I pay so other people can do work for me. I pay my tithes. I pay my tithes. I'm faithful. But I just want to tell you something. Thank you if you're faithful to your tithes. But it does not absolve you from service as, as, as Jesus was our example. We think if I give, just hire somebody. Church, just hire somebody. I'm faithful. Oh, money does not absolve us from service. Whether, And let me just say, not just in the context of this church. You may find something else out there in the world. But because we give, it doesn't absolve us from serving. Thanks, Josh, for that amen. I knew I wouldn't get them from this. I knew. Or, or, I'm too busy. I'm just way too busy to serve. Wait, I got, I got so much going on. Which is always funny to me because it implies those that are serving here have a lot of free, extra free time. Hey, those that are serving, you know, man, I, I got five extra hours a week. Let's just serve at the church. We don't have anything else going. So we think, Because we're busy, then that absolves us from from serving as Christ said to serve. But I just want to tell you that people that serve are busy too. They got jobs, they got kids, they're busy as well. But what they do is go, hey, even in my busy schedule, I'm going to carve a little time out and give back to the Lord through the church or some other organization so so if you're, if you're going, I'm just way too busy to serve, that doesn't absolve you as well. Somewhere, Jesus said, I am making this example for you, and I want you to follow this example in some way, whatever that means in your world. But we have this, we have this difference when it comes to different thinking when it comes to service. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, and that is what I am. Now that I, the Lord, and your teacher have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set you an example, and you should do as I have done for you. Okay? Let me say this about service. Sometimes we serve based on the reactions or affirmations of others. Okay? Sometimes, without saying it, we only serve with those that will appreciate or thank me for my service. Okay. But look, look at the context of what Jesus is doing. He's washing someone's feet. Who's, who's he washing first? Peter. Okay. What's Peter going to do in the next six hours? He's going to deny Jesus. Okay. Did that stop his service? No? No. We, we serve sometimes based on the affirmations, positive affirmations and thanks that we get from others, Jesus said, nope, this isn't the example, okay? So he's going down the line, he starts with Peter, he's going down the line, he gets to Judas. What's Judas fixing to do in the next hour? He's gonna betray him, but what'd he do? Got on his feet, scrubbed his feet, took his towel, dried, dried his feet, Our service cannot be based on who appreciates or applauds. That's not what he said. He just said, I've served. He served those that appreciated it. He served those who are about to turn their back on him. It It doesn't matter. We will find people that we will serve that won't even know what we've done or they won't appreciate it. And Jesus said, do it anyway. Serve anyway. Then he concludes... Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. You'll be blessed? There's a blessing that comes, okay? But you may compute it this way. But if I give my time, talents, or money, then that's a net loss for me. Not necessarily when you do service. And you do it in the name of Jesus, because there's something that comes back to you That monetary compensation can never give you. There's a blessing when you serve. Even if there's no applause, no appreciation, or there's no spotlight upon you, man, there is affirmation from heaven. We just serve. We just serve. Those of you that serve here, especially in a pandemic, all that we're going through, thank you. GC Kids, GC Kids Junior, thank you. GCU, thank you. Those that work with our young adults, thank you. Those that work with teenagers, thank you. Those that work with ladies, thank you. Those that are in gift services and hospitality, you come early, thank you. Those that work with Street Hope, the poorest of the poor, thank you. Those that work on our worship team in media, thank you for what you do. Those that are working preparing African fellowship, thank you. GC families, thank you. Those that are going to work with GC Reach, thank you. GC boys, GC girls, all the other ministries, those of you that are giving of time and talent, I just want to say thank you. I just want to say thank you. Yeah. You're awesome. I would take you all out to eat after church, but I'm really, really busy. So I just, just want you to know you have my appreciation. If I skipped anyone, please please forgive me. After he said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified. Truly, I tell you, one is going to betray me. Now, John picks up on this vibe. This is the second time that he's mentioned Jesus' trouble, and John is notating this, this heaviness that's in his heart, okay? But John has a different version of what is about to happen, and I want, you to, I want you to listen to it. So Jesus is troubled, but then he says at the Passover dinner, he just says it randomly out loud. Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. Boom. The room goes quiet. Wow, people are, <laughs> what, do you, what do you say? They're processing. This moment, one of you, it's only the disciples in there. One of you is going to betray me. Verse 22, his disciples stared at one another at loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, John referring to himself, was reclining next to him so everybody's just looking around. Man, it's, they're just speechless. John is sitting next to Jesus, and they are just, it's just silent. And then Simon Peter motioned to this disciple, and he says, like, Hey, hey, ask him what he's talking about. Okay? Just kind of whispers to him. He motions to him. What, what's he talking about? All right? Leaning back against Jesus, he, John, asked him, he kind of whispers to him, and I'll show you why he whispers, Lord, who is it? He's leaning back up against kind of Jesus' chest. Jesus answered, it's the one whom I'll give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then he, no, I don't need my whisper voice on that, okay? (laughs) Okay. Sorry, all right all right, so so they 're whispering john 's leaning up against Jesus, and they 're whispering, and i 'll show you what they 're doing in just a moment. Then, dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, and as soon as Jesus took the bread, Satan entered into him. Now, no one understood you know they don 't get what 's going on. Judas does not even understand. What is happening at the moment because this conversation with Jesus and John is very quiet. And evidently Judas was sitting very close to Jesus because Jesus hands him the bread. So he's just, he's very, you know, he's very close. So Jesus told him, what you're about to do, do quickly. But no one at the meal, this is why we know that they were kind of whispering. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought that Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as Jesus had had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. Let me tell you something about Judas. He was a deceiver and he was very good at it. Okay? Because we all think when Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me, We think all the disciples would go, well, we know who that is. You know, it's over there. They had no idea. Because Jesus was a deceiver, but he was a very good deceiver. He had kind of this dual life and this dual heart. He lived and acted one way when he was around Jesus and the disciples, but his heart and his behavior in other incidences showed this dark heart. I want to remind you this morning, you can fool others, but you can never fool the Lord. Okay. And listen, what's sad. What's sad about this moment. If you remember the day previous, Judas is at Mary and Martha's house. Remember she's having this worship experience. She's, she's worshiping Jesus, and all Judas can think of is that money is wasted. It should have been given to the poor. He had this opportunity to turn and make things right before God, but he just kept turning his back, hardening his own heart, and it sealed, ultimately, it sealed his fate. I wanna just say to you this morning, and I don't imply that you're Judas like that, but I just wanna say that maybe you this morning, if there's some duplicitous nature in your life and in your walk with God this morning, you have the opportunity to turn. You don't have to make your heart hard. You've got an opportunity Today, if you realize, man, you got two lives going and one is inconsistent with Jesus. Today is a day that you can turn and bow your knee to Jesus. You can do that today. Even though he lived close to Jesus, his heart was hard for Jesus. Okay? you got some dual parts of your life going. It's not a way to live. Eventually... Eventually, your heart will become hard, and you'll fully walk away from the Lord just like this. Also about Judas, Jesus used the term betrayal, and betrayal implies a relationship. A stranger can't betray me because I have no relationship with a stranger, okay? So this, when he uses the word betray, it implies you know, it, it, it implies a friendship or some kind of relationship. He lived with him. He walked with him. He worshiped with him. But Judas closed the door on that. He opened the door to, to Satan in that, in that moment. And then the last part of this scene. In worship team, you can come. When he was gone, Judas. So it's still the same, still the, the same Passover meal. Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him, and if God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. Then he says, My children, I will only be with you a little longer. You will look for me, uh, just as I told the Jews. So I will tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. But a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So he's taking this moment to teach us that there is a greater love than just human love. The capacity of human love is, I love those that love me. Okay, all right. But Jesus said, I got a different kind of love okay I'm going to show you the walk the extra mile kind of love I'm going to show you the if you get slapped on one side turn your cheek to the other side kind of love I want to show you that if they ask for your cloak your outer garment you give them your coat as well I want to show you a God kind of love I want to show you a God kind of love. And to us today, that means, you know, like, if they attend your church, you love them. But if they don't attend your church, you love them. If they wear a mask, you love them. If they don't wear a mask, you love them. If they're pro-vaccine, you love them. If they're anti, you love them. If their skin color is the same as yours, you love them. If their skin color is different, you love them. If their language of origin is similar to yours, you love them. If their language is different, you love them. If they have money like you, you love them. If they don't have money, you love them. If their lifestyle is the same as yours, you love them. If their lifestyle is different than yours, you love them. If they treat you like you treat others, you love them. If they treat you differently, you love them. So I'm giving you a whole new message on love. Listen to me. Because one of the greatest evangelistic outreaches the world will ever know will not be a Billy Graham crusade. As good as that is. It's going to be how we love other people. He said, by this, this is how you know, people know that you're connected with me, how you love others. The greatest evangelistic tool is love. I said earlier in announcements that I like sports because sports kinda unify people from different backgrounds. I don't want sports to have a greater influence on the world than the church. Okay? Doesn't matter how similar you are or how different. Man, we love each other. We love each other. Simon Peter he hears this message. I love his answer. He said, Lord Where are you going? He missed the whole thing. You heard Jesus say that he's going away. Jesus gives this answer about love. Hey, where are you going? Where are you going? He missed the entire message on love. And so do we sometimes. We got more people reading the book of Revelations and and studying end time events and biblical prophecy and not reading the love chapter of Corinthians 13. All right? Those things are well and good. All right? They're well and good. But we're missing the message of the moment is just loving people. Loving people. Loving people. So I'm closing today if you're here today, if you're watching online, you feel like you're a little like Peter, like with your own life, you got some issues, but you just kind of want to work them out yourself. I want to kind of get on top of this. And you know what? Today, your message is to drop what you're doing. Take the little broken pieces of your life, hand them to Jesus. That's all you can do. That's all you can do. And you know what? Almost everybody in this room's done that before. We've tried to fix it, self-help. You know, we've you know d- done all kinds of things to kind of kind of put our lives back together, but you just can't. Spiritual problems need spiritual answers, and you're not qualified to do things that only Jesus is qualified to do. Or maybe you're like Judas. Maybe you just kind of got this double life kind of going. And today's the day the Lord said, you don't have to keep walking down that path. Come on back. Come on back. Come on back. Come on back. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hey, if you're here today, if you're here today, maybe God's speaking to your heart. Maybe there's some distance with you and your Lord, with the Lord, whatever, whatever that means. Not where you should be, you know. Maybe God's dealing with you, or maybe just this morning, maybe the light bulbs kind of come on in your life. And you'd say, Pastor, hey, I just need to make some things right with the Lord Jesus this morning. And I just want you to pray for me today. Would you just lift your hand up and down really quick and just say, Pastor, would you just pray for me today? I'm just not where I need to be. I just got some issues in my life. Yeah, I see some hands out there. Hey, that's no shame. We've all kind of done that before. Just got some issues in my life. I need to make them right before God. I want to to get these things behind me. Okay, that's great. That's great. That's great. Would everyone stand? Would everyone stand? Thank you, Lord. We're just going to do a time of worship in a moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And when they sing, if you want to, you can come to the altar. They're going to put a prayer up on the screen if they'll, you know, if they'll do that. And if that's you, whether you raised your hand or you, or you didn't, there's a prayer. I just want you to kind of say it to yourself this morning. No judgment, you know. Lord, I, I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I accept your death as your penalty for my sin. I recognize your mercy and grace as a gift you offer because of your great love, not based on anything that I've done. Just kind of say that. Cleanse me. Make me your child. By faith, I receive you into my heart as the Son of God and the Savior of my life. From now on, help me to live with you, you in control, in Jesus' name. It's just a simple prayer. It's just a simple prayer. And if you prayed that and you meant that from your heart, man, things can change in your life today things can change in your life today. We're going to do a song of worship. I'm going to open the altars and if you want to come and pray someone will come talk with you, pray with you or about any other thing as well. Man, we want to we want you to know we love you. We're praying for you. We've walked through that door of grace before. Amen. Brent, lead us in, in worship. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's praise Him this morning.